Well, good morning, and welcome to Spiritual Awareness with Pastor Davenport. We are a 501c3 nonprofit prayer ministry here out of Fort Mojave, Arizona, as well as from Ash Fork, Arizona, the Gospel of Faith Church. So we welcome you this morning. Today, we begin a series of understanding who Jesus is and what his purpose is in our lives. To understand who Jesus is and what he accomplished, we first must study, one, his life, two, his teachings, three, his personage, and four, his work. In the 21st century church, I believe there has been a misunderstanding of who Jesus really is. And so I want to take the next four weeks to discover and discuss the Savior of this world. So today we will begin the life of Jesus. Father, I pray this morning that those that are listening would take this journey with us to understand who Jesus Christ really is and then to understand what the purpose, Lord, that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has in each and every one of our lives. What is his purpose in our life? And I pray, Lord God, that as we begin to understand who Jesus really is and what he accomplished in his life, in his teachings, in his personage, and the work that he did upon this earth, that it will enlighten us and give us a better understanding of who we are in Christ, who we are in Christ. I pray, Lord God, that you would be with each and every individual that is listening to this broadcast and the teachings that we're about to undertake. I pray for the healing of those that are that are sick, those that, that are fighting off disease. I pray for each and every one of them right now. I ask the Holy Spirit that you just let Jesus lay hands upon them that they might be healed of their infirmities. And I pray, Lord God, for a greater understanding because this broadcast goes out around the world and each different place has different traditions. And I pray that we would have a greater understanding of the world in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray this morning, amen and amen. Glory to God, welcome to Spiritual Awareness with Pastor Davenport. So today, we will begin with the life of Jesus. You know, many people today may think that Jesus' last name is Christ. <laughs> Jesus and Christ are twofold designation that, that combines the personal name of Jesus and the title of Christ, meaning the anointed or the Messiah. The significance of this title became clear during the scope of his life and his ministry. He showed that he was the Messiah or the anointed flesh of God. Jesus was born in Bethlehem through a virgin named Mary in a town about six miles south of Jerusalem toward the end of Herod the Great, 
uh, great's reign as king of the Jews in 37 BC to 4 BC. Early in his life, he was taken to Nazareth, a town of Galilee. And there he was brought up by his mother, Mary, and her husband, Joseph, a carpenter by trade. Hence, he was known as Jesus of Nazareth, or more fully, fully, excuse me, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, Jesus was, was his mother's firstborn child. He had four brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and an unspecified number of sisters in Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Now, I wonder, could you imagine being Jesus's brother or sister? You probably hear, I wish you could be more like your brother, right? Joseph apparently died before Jesus began his public ministry. Mary, with the rest of the family, lived on and became members of the Church of Jerusalem after Jesus' death and resurrection. So the only incident preserved from Jesus' first 30 years was his trip to Jerusalem with Joseph and Mary when he was about 12 years old, Luke chapter 2, verse 41 through 52. Since he was now in Nazareth as a carpenter, he may have taken Joseph's, Joseph's place as the family breadwinner at, at a very early age. Carpenters in those days earned their living by their hands and ability to mend broken pieces and make new pieces. Today, Jesus has become our healer, our deliverer, our salvation. He takes our broken lives just like he would taken that broken table and put those pieces back together. Today, we have ex-alcoholics, ex-drug users, ex-cons, ex-fighters, ex-adulterers, ex-fornicators, because Jesus was the carpenter that put all those pieces back together through saving grace. The beginning of Jesus' ministry, it began after being baptized by John the Baptist. He was fulfilling the scripture and showing that he was not above doing what was needful. In Isaiah chapter 11, 1 and 2, it says, why don't you turn your Bibles there with me? Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. Isaiah 11, 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and the branch shall grow out of its roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. That's in the King James Version. So here we find Isaiah prophesizing about the baptism of Jesus. John saw the spirit of the Lord descending upon him like a dove, which gave John the revelator, John, the revelation of who Jesus was at that very moment when that dove, the Holy Spirit, landed upon him, his shoulder. Now, Jesus' ministry began with fulfilling the scripture. And today we begin our ministry by fulfilling the scripture. Repentance from sin, baptism in Jesus' name, is the beginning of a life with Jesus Christ. If you've not done that, 
I pray that at the end of this message, you will accept Christ as your Savior and your Lord. For time is short, my friends. If you know anything about the Bible, if you know anything about the book of Revelations, the book of Daniel, the book of Proverbs, if you know anything about these scriptures, you will know that we are in the end times. And, and what we're seeing to come to pass is happening right now. So for us to be ministers of Jesus Christ, we must follow the example that Christ laid down before he began his ministry. Jesus wants us all to be ministers, with, with, which really means people involved in the ministry. It doesn't mean you have to be a, a pastor. It doesn't mean you have to be a priest, although the Bible says we're all called to be priests. It means we're all called to be witnesses of Christ, to love one another as he loved each and every one of us. And he loves you too. I know you're listening right now. And you're sitting back in your chair going, yeah, right. Listen to me. Christ loves you. He loves you just the way you are right now, this very minute. You may be a drug addict. You may be an alcoholic. Who knows you, what your sins are? But he loves you right now as you are. And he promises that when you come to him and you accept him inside you, in your very soul, in your heart, that Christ will make you a new creation. He will cleanse you whiter than snow. Think about that, whiter than snow. Think about your past being erased out of God's mind because you're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. So for us to be a minister, we must follow his example. Ministry is not preaching or teaching only, but it is reaching out to the brokenhearted, to the, to, to the windows of their soul, to the sinners, to the widows, to, to the sick and the hurting. You see, Jesus's ministry was not just the people he knew, but it was to the people he never met. I pray you're listening to that. I'm going to say it again. Jesus' ministry was not just for the people he knew in his little circle, but it was the people he never met. There's a song that I grew up hearing which said, when he was on the cross, I, I was on his mind. You see, ministry is not just helping people that you know, but it's reaching out to those that you have never met yet. It is our, it is our reasonable responsibility. Say that with me. Reasonable responsibility as Christians. Jesus did not come up out of the water healing people. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record that Jesus went to the wilderness and was tempted of the devil before ever going, before ever doing his very first miracle. Jesus's life is the perfect example to follow. We, if we are not following Jesus, then we're probably going the wrong way. I want you to note that some minister, ministries does not happen overnight. Sometimes there has to be a proving ground, just like Jesus went through. And the first thing that Jesus did when he was baptized was he began recruiting people to know him better. 
to get to know him, to understand. That's that reasonable responsibility. And the apostles repented. <coughs> Excuse me. They were baptized. And they began to preach Jesus. They began preaching Jesus because they knew that it was important to know who Christ was. To have a fulfilled life. You see, Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom of God was accompanied by works of mercy and of power, including the healing of the sick, particularly those who were demon-possessed. And believe me, we have those out there. These works also proclaim the arrival of the kingdom of God. The demons that caused such distress to men and women and children were, were, were signs of the kingdom of Satan. And when they were cast out, this proved the superior strength of the kingdom of God Almighty. For a time, Jesus' healing aroused great popular enthusiasm throughout all of Galilee. But the religious leaders and the teachers found much of Jesus' activities disturbing. He, he refused to be bound by their religious ideas. He refused it. He befriended social outcasts because he couldn't find any friends in the religious sector. Jesus insisted on understanding and applying the law of God in the light of its original intention, not according to the popular interpretation of relig religious establishments. He insisted on healing sick people on the Sabbath. He believed that healing people did not profane the Sabbath, but honored the Sabbath because it was established by God for the rest of the relief of human beings. In Luke chapter 6, verse 6 through 11. This attitude brought Jesus into conflict with the scribes, the official teachers of the law. Because of their influence, he was soon barred from preaching in the synagogues. But this was no great inconvenience to Jesus. He simply gathered larger congregations to listen to him on the hillside or by a lakeshore. He regularly illustrated the main themes of his preaching by parables. These were simple stories from daily life which would drive home some special point and make it stick in the hearer's understanding. Today, Jesus still heals. His teachings still come through anointed men and women, and he still does things that are unpopular. Jesus' ministry is still present and the works in the lives of believers around the world. Praise God. Praise God, for without Jesus, where would we be? This country was founded on God. Doesn't it say under God in our pledge of allegiance? Jesus' last phase and his promise for us is this. At the Feast of the Tabernacles in the fall, of AD 29, Jesus went to Jerusalem with the 12. He apparently spent the next six months in the southern part of Palestine. 
Jerusalem, like Galilee, needed to hear the message of the kingdom, but Jerusalem was more resistant to it even than Galilee. You see, the spirit of revolt was in the air, and Jesus' way of peace was not accepted. This is why he swept over the city. He realized that the way which so many of his citizens preferred was bound to lead to their destruction. Even the magnificent temple, so recently rebuilt by Herod the Great, would be involved in the, in the general overthrow. During the week before Passover in 30 AD, and you need to understand that, that AD does not mean after death. <laughs> Jesus taught by each day in the temple area, debating with other teachers of different beliefs. He was invited to state his opinion on a number of issues, including the question of paying taxes to Roman emperor. And this was a test question with the zealots in their eyes to acknowledge the rule of the pagan king was high treason against God, Israel's true king. So Jesus replied, that the coinage in which these taxes had to be paid belonged to the Roman emperor because his face and name were stamped on it. So he said, let the emperor have what is so obviously belongs to him, Jesus declared. It is more important to make sure that God received what was due him. This answer disappointed those patriots who, who followed Zealot line. Neither did it make Jesus popular with the priestly authorities. They were terrified by the rebellious spirit in the land, and their favored position depended on maintaining good relations with the, the ruling Romans. If revolt broke out, the Romans would hold them responsible for it, not keeping the people under control. So they were afraid. They were so afraid that Jesus might provoke an outburst that would bring the heavy hand of Rome upon their city. Now the enthusiasm of the people when Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey alarmed the religious leader. So did it show of authority when he cleared the temple of traitors and money changers. This was a prophetic action, a prophetic action in the tradition of the great prophets of Israel. Its message to the priestly established came through loud and clear. <clears throat> the prophet's vision of the temple. He said, my house shall not be called a house of prayer for all nations. I'm sorry, let me repeat it. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Isaiah 56, 7 was a fine ideal, but any attempt to make it measure up to reality would be a threat to the priestly privileges. Jesus' action was as disturbing as Jeremiah's speech foretelling the destruction of Solomon's temple, which had been in the religious leaders six centuries earlier, Jeremiah 26. And that's one through six. To block the possibility of an uprising among the people, the priestly party decided to arrest Jesus as soon as possible. And the opportunity came early earlier than they expected when one of the 12, Judas Iscariot, offered to deliver Jesus to, into their power without the risk of public disturbance. Arrested on Passover Eve, Jesus was brought first before the Jewish court of inquiry over which the high priest Caiaphas presided. 
The Jewish leaders attempted first to convict him of being a threat to the temple, protection of this, this, this san, uh, sanctity of, of the temple was the one area in which the Romans still allowed the Jewish authorities to exercise authority, but this attempt failed. Then Jesus accepted their charge that he claimed to be the Messiah. This gave the religious leaders an occasion to hand him over to Pilate on a charge of treason and sedition. While Messiah was primarily a religious title, it could be translated into political terms as king of the Jews. Anyone who claimed to be a king of the Jews, as Jesus admitted he did, presented a challenge to the Roman emperor's rule in Judea. On this charge, then, Pilate, the Roman governor, finally convicted Jesus. This was a charge spelled out in the inscription fixed above his head on the cross. Death by crucifixion was a penalty for sedition by one who was not a Roman citizen. With the death and the burial of Jesus, the narrative of his earthly career came to an end. But with his resurrection on the third day, he lives and works forever as the exalted Lord and Savior. His appearances to the disciples after his resurrection assured them he was alive after his suffering in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. These appearances also enabled them to make the transition in their experience from the form in which they had known him earlier to a new way in which they would be related to him by the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that this is short. And that's because my computer, I did a no-no yesterday. I, I unlocked an email that I shouldn't have, and my computer went down. It's being fixed right now, so I'm borrowing a laptop from someone else. So I'm short on time because they start work at 9, and I'm past 9 now. Jesus was in person. Jesus was a person that liked us and lived like us. Well, he loved unconditionally and truly, truly a deity. He was the Messiah, a savior of the world. And the apostle grew a church with their story. And the church is now 2,000 years old because of this story. Jesus is the most powerful reason for living. And there's nothing, nothing, and nobody likening to him. And I told you at the beginning of this, and like I said, I'm a little rushed today because it's not my computer I'm using. But I need to get this in. We've just learned who Jesus is. I didn't say was. I said we just learned who Jesus is. So today, I want you to think about what we just discussed in this last 20 minutes. And I want you to think about making Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior. We always sing that, that song, what a friend we have in Jesus. Well, my friends, Jesus is more than a friend. He is our Savior and our Lord. Through the blood of Jesus, you'll find your salvation. Through the grace of God, you will find your salvation. Won't you say this simple little prayer with me today? All around the world, Maybe it's time to rededicate your heart to Christ. If that's the case, then I pray that you would do this. 
with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, say it with me, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you today to repent of my sins. Lord, I am a sinner, and I ask your forgiveness for my sins. I believe that Jesus died and was resurrected on the third day. And I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that today he becomes the Lord of my life. Forgive me, Lord, as I repent of my past, put Jesus in my future, and right now in the present time, I accept him as my Lord and Savior from here on out. Now just say in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, if you said that simple prayer, I want to encourage you to seek out a Bible-believing church. Ask them to baptize you for the remission of your sins in Jesus' name. And then join a Bible-believing church in your area and start attending. It's important for your soul. It's important for your, your, your eternal life. We're all going to spend eternity somewhere. The question is where, heaven or hell? That's up to you. This is Pastor Davenport. With all the love of Christ, I wish you peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless each and every one of you.